Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this fantastic day? I hope wherever you are, you take a moment to take a deep breath. Feel the fantasticness of that breath in the lungs. And then just let it all go. Let all the stagnant energy leave the body in that exhale. Feel a sense of release from tension and ease into relaxation. That's what the deep breath is good for. Also, it helps clear the mind. You know, um, I have this friend, uh, Grace Reynolds. She's she's down in, uh, I think she's she was in Australia, but I think she might be in New Zealand now. But she um, she's so great. She told me that uh, a yawn is like an air conditioner for the brain. So if you're feeling sleepy, I mean, this is why we yawn, right? We want instant oxygenation of the brain. But if you're feeling sleepy and you just want to take a nap, you know, I'm all for naps, but let's say you're driving and you need to wake up, take a yawn, like be intentional, start to open the mouth and just go, (gasps) when you open the mouth and you take all that air in and you imagine like with your mind, because the mind, the mind is very powerful. Imagine that you are creating this air conditioner for your brain, right? So just inhale deeply, just go, I mean, through the mouth, just a big yawn. (sighs) And she says to do it three times. And then you should, you should start to feel more alert, which I think is really cool. I've tried a few times and it's awesome. So that's my little tip for you today. Um, Okay. So for today's episode, I am going to start with a tarot deck. Uh, a, t- a card pull. And uh, this I'm drawing from uh, today's deck I'm drawing from is from the Lightseers Tarot by Chris Ann. Uh, and you'll notice that I work with two, two decks mostly, which is this one and the Wild Messengers deck, the uh, Animal Alchemical Tarot. I have a few other decks, but I'm still getting to know them, um, the energy of them. And um, yeah, I'm not feeling as connected with those other decks as I am with the two that I pull from frequently. Uh, Anyway, so let us consult the cards and just to get an energy uh, read, just a a way to set the episode. Um, It's very similar to what I did with the Hafez poems where I would just pick a poem at random. But today I have my cards um, and, you know, the poems will come back in. They just, you know, just today is a tarot day. (laughs) So let's see where, um, which card wants to come through first for today. What card wants to come forward? 
All right, let's see. Today's card is the King of Wands. And to describe the card itself, now, if you know, the, the drawback, I guess, of podcasts is that you don't get the visual, um, unless you're also podcasting on YouTube, which I used to do, but I'm not doing at the moment, um, only because there's a lot of moving pieces and I, I can't quite keep up, but I am hoping to return to YouTube um, probably this summer. Anyway, so that way you can see the cards. <laughs> Maybe sooner, we'll see. But the King of Wands, just to describe the image on the card, um, is a young, well, no, actually an African-American man. He's got salt and pepper goatee. Um, you know, the hair, he's got a goatee and it's salt and pepper hair. And it's very, I mean, for me, very attractive. <laughs> he um, is wearing a red shirt with uh, what looks like um, what are, a gecko on his shirt, uh, a kind of lizard in uh, geometric, sacred geometry. Um, he's also wearing blue jeans and holding a staff, which is also a torch because this is a very um, cool staff carved out of uh, wood. And I only know that because it's, it's a little um, wavy. It's not bent, but it's, it's not exactly straight. But at the top, there is flames. So he's holding it like a torch. And behind him is a lion in the distance lo overlooking his shoulder. Um, and it looks like that he's out in the desert. So taking that into consideration, um, just imagine in your mind what that might look like. And the King of Wands is uh, the end of the journey in the suit of wands. So if we think about the suits as a journey where we start with ace um, and go all the way up to king, then we have a level of mastery at this, um, at this stage. So the King of Wands, this is what the guidebook says, an entrepreneurial spirit, a natural born leader, ideas that can be ultra successful, a creative visionary, timelessness, success, and fire, right? But the thing is, when I pulled the card, he was upside down. So it is a reversed card. So we are going to read the shadow side of this card, which is being overly ambitious. I, I, I know what that is. <laughs> um, hello, Asian. <laughs> a need for compassion, egomania, being too assertive, explosive emotions, and impatience. Ooh, yeah, I, you know, totally needed this card because I am that, I am that mode, in that mode of impatience right now where there's a lot of things happening and I just want them all to be taken care of um, and checked off my to-do list, which, you know, is not possible. Everything in its due time, there is divine timing and I need to remember that, I need to remember that, but I also need to remember there are only certain things that I can control. And if I try to force something, if I try to effort something, the the results usually don't end up being all that great. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. Let me just read the guidebook. This says this fiery guy. Oh, all right. He's fiery. He is a charismatic and natural born leader whose vitality emanates through his language and his obsession with a life well lived. Hmm. I like he's my kind of guy. An obsession with a life well lived. That's my obsession as well. As you dance into this energy, you may feel a surge of entrepreneurial passion that pushes you to the edges of your epic success. Affirmative, this is what's happening for me right now. And I wonder if that's also happening for you, my dear listeners. Uh, let's see, the card of moguls, masterpieces, and soul inspiration. 
The King of Wands calls you to unleash that offbeat weirdo that you've got inside. <laughs> we all have it. We all have that weirdo where you know if we revealed that side of us, people would either make fun of us, they'd stop being our friends, they would look at you side-eye and be like, who are you? Um, anyway, continue. And be absolutely unapologetic in your pursuit of the stellar. Okay, time for no apologies, my peoples. Ground your vision through the wildly novel expression of big ideas. And if you find yourself getting tripped up by the minutia of the everyday, recruit help and map out the bigger picture. Yes, bigger picture, bigger picture, because life is more than worrying over the small details. Whole holder, what is this? Oh, sorry. Holler passionately. Invite others to see what you see. The shadow side of this energy is that you may not perceive your own blind spots because of an overzealous ambition. Ooh, ouch, that hurts. So what I'm what I'm hearing from this card is that the overambition blinds us to other possibilities. You know, if you're so focused on a certain goal and you only see one way to get to that goal and you're so hell-bent on traveling that path to get to that goal in that way, you may miss the options, the possibilities for a different path to that goal that actually is easier that flows a little bit better, that there's less efforting. And I want to talk about efforting in a second. Okay, so keep arrogance and unrealistic expectations at bay. Ooh, how's that for a reality check? Mm -mm. And work out the kinks before charging ahead with your intensely vibrant heart. <gasps> wow, that's totally appropriate for what's going on for me right now. And I wonder if that's also speaking to you as well passionate and heart-fueled. Yes, that is me. That is my peoples. Um, we will build this empire of light together. Mm, yes, 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 yes. So this is so interesting that the King of Wands comes forward because he is a leader, right? But he, he knows the way. He knows the balance between control and, and effortlessness between too much effort and not an, and just easing into flow. Sorry, I, I'm trying to, to puzzle it out in my head where I'm thinking about how we are so passionate and so driven by the things that light us up, right? Whether it is something that has to do with entrepreneurship, which may or may not apply to you, um, or it can do have to do with something as simple as a, a passion in your life that you're pursuing on the side, you know, like a hobby or something. So what I'm what I want to do is just kind of talk through this as an example, uh, with an example of um, writing poetry, for example, for me. And I know that. So I've been writing poetry for for most of my life. And with the practice of poetry, you learn new things. The practice of anything, you learn things. As you experience, you get information of what works, what doesn't work, um, what works for you, and what may not work for you, though it works for others. And so as I um, write poems, you know, I from time to time, I move through uh, daily devotional practices of writing poems. So we are in the Lenten season, and... 
my friend Veronica and I, and Veronica has been on the podcast before, so you can go search her up in one of the past episodes. She is an amazing spirit. Love her to death. She's my soul sister. And we, um, for the past few years, we, every Lent, um, she's also a poet, every Lent, instead of giving something up, you know, because I am not, I don't know. I have, I have mixed feelings about, about that idea of giving something up. I mean, a lot of people do it just as an automatic. They don't inquire about what that's really about. And, um, and for me, it doesn't serve the purpose that it's intended because I can, you know, I can give up anything. Um, (laughs) and I've done it and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel useful to me. And so instead, Veronica and I have, have devoted our 40 days of Lent to writing a daily poem. And it, it's a beautiful practice because it, it invites us to commit to showing up to the page every day, which, you know, some days are better than others. But what I notice is that as I show up every day, then I begin to cultivate that, um, that inspiration, that energy, you know, a lot of folks who, who do creative writing, they're like, Oh, you know, I just wait for inspiration to show up. And that's really backwards because what happens is if you wait for inspiration to show up, inspiration is not going to come. Why is that? Because if you think about inspiration as, um, a possible lover, you would like to court, you know, like, let's say you're looking for a romantic partner and you meet somebody and, (laughs) And then you go on a date and then you just wait for them to call you and you wait and you wait and you wait. And it's like, there's that stupid game of like, who calls first? I don't think that happens anymore. At least I hope not. I think it's more like if you want to call them, just freaking call them, you know, um, or text them or whatever it is. But let's say you start, you know, going out on dates regularly and then you just kind of sit back and you're like, all right, I'm just going to wait for that person to call. I'm going to wait for that person to invite me to dinner, to set up the date. I'm going to wait for that person. And the less attention you put on that relationship, on that person, the less energy goes there. And so it starts to diminish. And so with poetry, the less you do it or any creative writing, the less you do it, then the the less likely inspiration will come. Now, you know, I have students who will argue like, you know, there's stuff in my life that happens all the time. Yeah, you know, at this point in your life, you're all, you know, between 18 and, and 20 something. And there's a lot of stuff that happens at that stage in life. You know, a lot of growing, a lot of evolving, a lot of, you know, figuring out like that transition between young adult into full adult more or less. I don't know if any, anyone is really ever a full adult, but, um, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of material to draw from, but when things start to settle down, right. And then you start to get a pace and a rhythm and you start to root down and understand the rhythms of your life, then you start to, to be less stimulated, we'll say by any drama that might be happening. And so how do you continue that practice? How do you continue to be inspired? And so it's about showing up, right? And there's, there's that saying that I like to turn to all the time is where attention goes, energy flows. So if you are paying attention to your creativity, if you're showing up every day and writing every day, then there are going to be moments when it feels effortless. And that is freaking magic. 
You know, like one day, let's say Monday, you write a poem, you're like, I don't know what to write about. And I'm just taking this from my own personal experience. You know, I don't know what to write about. All right, let's just write about the water bottle that's on the kitchen table that I'm looking at right now. What about it? I don't know. Let's just notice the details and see what happens. Um, But then it ends up being a poem that's like, man, it's just about a water bottle. It's nothing very exciting. You know, Tuesday, I write about, um, I don't know, just feeling blah. Yeah, I'll just write. I'm feeling blah. I don't want to write, blah, 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 you know? And and the thing is like, there's not a lot of pressure with it. it has to be a poem in a capital P kind of way. It's more, let's just put some pen to paper. Let's take some observations and see what kind of mysteries unfold from that. And so maybe Wednesday, you know, or Thursday, I sit down to write a poem and then suddenly there is a spark that flows. There's like one word that comes to mind. I'm like, I'll write that down. And then I just follow that. And then everything unravels and it flows. And it's just like this beautiful, easy unfolding of a poem. And then I step back and I was like, wow, I didn't know what that poem was going. You know, there's that element of surprise, the mystery, all of it. So satisfying. So great. I mean, later, you know, like the next day, the poem, I just like, eh, but usually when I feel that way after completing a poem, or at least down to the bottom of the page, you know, usually I just write like one page, but if I feel the flow, I'll move on to the second or third page. Um, but that, that sense of satisfaction is like, oh, this is so good because there was no efforting. It was just this flow, this natural thing, the critical, um, the inner critic, AKA Jake, you know, um, doesn't, speak up does there's no barking (laughs) you know he's just quiet watching all the things flow, and it's just it feels so good so this is this is what I'm talking about as far as the ambition and the the over ambition now if I were to sit down and write a poem and be like all right this needs to be like the best poem I ever wrote because I'm going to submit it to some big contest where they select one poem and that's going to be the winning poem and it's going to win me $3,000 and then everyone will know my name and blah, 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 right? First of all, it's not why you write a poem, right? So the intention already feels in misalignment, right? To, to this goal of, of achieving something, of getting accolades, of getting, you know, prize money or whatever it is, you know? And so the energy of that poem is already, um, for lack of a better word, tainted. It's tainted by intentions that are not in alignment, you know, because for me, writing poetry is really, um, sacred. It is a connection with the divine spirit, with my inner knowing, my intuition, my divine self and source. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, they think poetry is this observation of beauty. It's a capturing of human, the human condition, which is, which is all true. But beneath that, beneath that is this connection to source, this acknowledgement, this recognition of we are all connected with divinity. And so if that intention is lost because we are wrapped up in the material stuff, then the energy of that poem ends up being compromised. It ends up falling flat. It ends up not having that zing that people connect with. It's just kind of like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You rhymed. Great. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> You know, and so that's an example of overambition, um, sort of blocking your view of what's possible. 
of obstructing the flow of creating more effort than necessary. And it is coming from that place of arrogance um, to be like, I'm going to write this poem and it's going to be kick-ass and blah, blah, blah. And the thing is like, you can have confidence. Like there's a, there's a line between confidence and arrogance, right? And confidence is just being secure in what you know and who you are being and following your heart, being in alignment with your heart's calling. Arrogance is I'm better than everybody else. Arrogance is elevating yourself above all people. And so there's this arrogance of like, yeah, I can write this poem and everyone's going to love it. And there it's going to win the contest and blah, blah, blah. You don't know that. You know, you don't know who the folks are that are reading the poem. You don't know what their aesthetically, you know, their aesthetic preferences are. You don't know what kind of mood they're in. They might like the style of poem that you're writing, but they may have gotten up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, maybe they just, you know, their lover just dumped them, just broke up with them. Maybe the um, hot water heater broke and they had to take a cold shower. You don't know. You don't know. And the thing with art is that what people make meaning from the art that you created is entirely their own. So once you create something, you have no control over that. It is, it is up to the, the viewer, the listener, the reader, whoever it is, you know, your audience, the person that comes in contact with your art is then the one who's actually in charge of their experience. You know, the one who's ownership, who has ownership of that experience. So you can say, I can write a kick-ass poem. Not everyone's going to agree, you know? And so it really comes down to, instead of thinking about others and what they think, and worrying about whether or not you are meeting their expectation or you are, you know, checking off the boxes for what makes a great poem. By the way, there's no such thing as a checklist for what makes a great poem. Um, then when you can stop, put all that stuff aside, that's all ego stuff. You know, that's all ego stuff. When you care about what other people think, that's ego when you can just tap into your divine knowing, into your intuition and see what is in alignment for you, what your heart's desire is, is calling you to express what you want to put down on paper or express in other art forms or, or just in your way of being like who you are. When you are in alignment with that and you are so rooted in who you are and who you're being, magic happens. Oh my God, magic happens. It's so freaking amazing. And I can't like, I can't tell you what that looks like because it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. I could give you examples, but it may not, it's not going to sound magical to you at all. Like, cause it's my magic, you know, it's magic for me. Um, but just, it's this idea of like things showing up in your life that you didn't even know was possible. People showing up in your life who you're like, where have you been all my life? You know, or other opportunities that come up and you're like, oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't even know that was an option, you know, because, and I say this all the time, we don't know what we don't know. And so when you are open, like I said in the previous episode, when Dragonfly came through in our, in our cards, when you are open, when you have beginner's mind, then all this stuff outside of the bubble of what you know starts to come in 
And that feels really good because the stuff that comes in is actually the stuff that you've created and manifested with your energy, with your vibration, with who you're being. Um, so yeah, I mean, for example, like I manifest money, <laughs> you know, and it's the weirdest thing, you know, people talk about manifesting money and I'm always like, I don't understand how you do that. Like, how do you, how do you manifest money? Like you don't get a job. Like maybe you, you create a side hustle and you, ger- you generate income. Like how does that work? You know, and that's my ego mind, like trying to make sense of the magic outside of the physical perception of this world, right? But you can't do it like that. I mean, I could talk about manifestation maybe in the next episode, but um, but just to give an example of like being open to possibility and being really rooted in who you are and who you are being, I um, I was playing this game that one of my teachers calls the 24-hour manifestation game. Um, her name is Catherine Zinkina, and she is amazing. Um, but she she has this game called the 24-hour manifestation game. And um, you go through it at the beginning of the day. You know, you set your intention. There's a whole, like, little ritual that you do around it. Um, you, you name, you know, whatever money you'd like to manifest. And... Um, and then you, and then you let it go. You kind of just send it off into the universe. You go about your day, you, you put it out of your mind, let the universe take care of it. Don't be looking for like, how is it going to come? How's it going to come? So I did the, I did the, I did the game. This was over, over the summer last year. And, um, I was like, oh, you know, let's just have fun. And that's the, that's the key is to have fun and to play. So I, um, set this intention to, um, to manifest, uh, what was it? I think it was like, a thousand dollars. I don't know. She says to set an amount of money that feels exciting. Like it would be so exciting to get that money, but not so huge that you're in disbelief. Like I wasn't going to say, all right, you know, I want to, in 24 hours, I want to manifest a million dollars. Like, no, your, your whole nervous system is not going to buy it. Your subconscious is not going to buy it. So, you know, you're just basically setting yourself up for defeat, (laughs) for failure. And then you're going to prove yourself, right? Like, uh aha, it doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. No, she says, pick something, pick an amount that you feel might be possible. It feels exciting, but it would really prove to you that manifestation works. You know, so I wasn't going to do $20 because I'm like, oh, I could find $20 in like my jean pocket before I put stuff in the laundry, for example, you know, and I was like, well, let's, you know, let's just do a thousand dollars, see what happens. Right. And it was kind of exciting. I was like, Ooh, you know, if a thousand dollars show up, I would just be like, so freaking excited and thrilled. And I totally be like, yes, this totally works. But also, um, yeah, just, it would be great. So, you know, just set that intention, um, did the little ceremony, the ritual and stuff, and then totally just went on my day, not thinking about it. Like I really made myself busy, to, to not tempt my brain to think, Oh, I wonder where it's coming from. You know, you don't want to do that. So, um, later that night I, uh, go to the mailbox and I'm getting the mail and there's a check in there for, um, a tax refund that I had forgotten about. And I don't know why it came so late because it was over the summer. Cause I remember going to the beach that day and I don't, yeah, I don't know why it came so late. It could have been early summer. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there was a tax refund check that came uh, that I totally forgot about, and it was in the amount of fourteen hundred dollars. So not only did I manifest thousand dollars, I manifest the universe gave me more than I had asked for, which was freaking amazing. Now all you, all you cynical people, all you like, you know, suspicious non-believers, 
could be like, you know, right now rolling your eyes and be like, yeah, okay, that would have happened anyway, you know, like, okay, maybe. But the thing, the point is I set the intention that day and the check came that day. You know, the check could have came, you know, a month from that, that point, you know, that check could have came like a week later, but it came that day. And tell me that that's not a miracle for me. I mean, there are miracles everywhere. You know, that's manifestation for me. So if you want to roll your eyes at that and not call it manifestation, then that's, that's on you. You know, that's your, that's your work to do. That's your, your block to work through. Because imagine if you are feeling dismissive of, of this little story, this little example I gave you, imagine what that dismissive energy is doing. Like what other things are being sent away? If you're dismissing this, this magic that I created, then subconsciously you're dismissed energetically you're dismissing other things that could be on on your way to you you know maybe you maybe you want to manifest some money and then you're like yeah but that doesn't work then that check that magic check that was coming to your mailbox gets diverted it goes somewhere else you know because universal law is based on the law of attraction and the law of attraction is this um it's vibration matches with other vibration, right? So if I'm in abundance and I'm feeling this really good feeling of vibrational alignment and feeling like, yes, I am abundant financially or whatever. And then the universe is like, oh, cool. They're open to receive money. So we're going to send some money her way. You know, she's, she's matching the, the money itself is energy. And the, and the, the energy of money is like, oh, here's somebody who takes care of us. Here's somebody who treasures us and uses us to help you know, keep energy flowing. Um, you know, there's, there's, I'm, I'm speaking on the surface of these things. So, um, they may or may not make sense to you right now, but if you want to dive in more to it, then let me know and maybe I'll do a podcast on it. But, um, but the point being that our, to be mindful, just coming back to the King of Wands, to be mindful of our ambitions, our ambition is amazing right? It's the thing that lights us up. It's the thing that gets us going and moving and, and going for our dreams. But if you are over ambitious, that's efforting. If you are efforting, that blocks the flow of the universe that blocks the flow of your energy, your source energy. Um, and so can you ease off on that? I mean, I'm, I'm taking my own advice. (laughs) right? Can you ease off on the overambitious to just say, all right, this is my dream. This is my vision. And I will listen for intuitive hits. I will listen for, um, guidance on what actions to take next, where to go next, you know? And some of you might be thinking, okay, how do I know where to go? How do I know what direction to go in? Well, sometimes it's this thought that pops in your head. You're like, I don't know where that came from, but I feel like I need to go call so-and-so. You know, I haven't thought about this person in a while, but I feel like I got to call them. So call them and find out and see what happens. And often I've heard stories of this where people are like, you know, I, I just felt like there was something in me that said I should stop by. You know, I've heard a story where someone was like, yeah, I want to go stop by this, this person's house. I haven't talked to them or seen them, but I felt called to stop by. And that person stops by and finds out that that person they were visiting, what had fallen 
and, you know, was in need of, of medical attention. And had they not stopped by, then that person might have died in their home and not, you know, and not been found for days. You know, it's stuff like that. That's what in, intuitive hits are. It's this, it's like, where did that come from? Mm, suddenly I feel like I need to go eat a hamburger, you know, or, you know, suddenly I feel like I need to go to, um, I need to go to the mall for whatever reason. And I don't know why, but I just, you know, I feel like, I want to get some bubble tea. Of course, all my examples are going to be related to food. So if you don't know that about me, now you do. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so to really tune in to those, those, those hits, those, those intuitive pulls, I don't, you know, and, and see where it leads, you know, there's this tendency for the ego to dismiss it, to be like, yeah, no, 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 I don't, you know, I'm not going to listen to that. Or that doesn't even make sense to me. Like, why would I do that? Why would I stop by that person's house? Why would I go to bubble, get bubble tea at the mall? You don't know. You don't know who you might bump into at the mall. You don't know what kind of conversation might strike up with a person behind the counter. You don't know. And that's, part of the mystery, right? That's us stepping into the mystery. It's like we get these little, you know, pings of guidance and how many of us actually listen to it? How many of us actually tune in and say, yeah, okay, not a lot. You know, my people do, but everyone else, not so much because there's the unknown, right? And a lot of people are afraid of the unknown, are afraid of the mystery. It's like, we want control over everything. We want to control how we interact with the world. We want to control how things unfold. We want to control. And our control grip is so hard that we get tension headaches. Our jaws are tight. Our whole body is tight. I mean, just pay attention to your body. You know, how does your body feel? Is it like, oh my God, I got a stomach ache. Why? Because you are efforting, because you are holding on tightly to control. And control looks like different things, right? So really tap in to ask yourself, all right, what is it that I, that's what overambition is. Overambition is like, I'm so excited about this goal, about what I want to get accomplished, about this dream I want to realize that I want, and I want it to happen now. So we're going to do what we can in our, within our range to effort, 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 effort to make it happen, you know? And yeah, you can push that boulder up the hill, right? You can push that boulder, but you'll get there. But what if all you had to do was just turn around and let the boulder roll down the hill and take you where you needed to go? Of course, get out of the way of the boulder and then just like follow the boulder down. <laughs> don't get, don't get smashed by it. <laughs> but what can you do to let that flow? Because you don't know what's, what's downhill, you know, all the answers, all your dreams realize could be down there. You don't know because you've been too busy focusing on uphill. So that is the card for today. That is the wisdom for our, um, episode for today. And so my friends, there's so much goodness here that I just, Ooh, just got to take a minute. Just take a breath. Uh, yeah, just a little breath. Okay. Well, my friends, I will close out this poem. I mean, this poem, this episode <laughs> with a, with a Hafez poem from the gift. And it's short just something randomly chosen 
something that I can leave you with as we work through this idea of effortlessness, right? Of tapping into the flow, of holding our vision, our dream, and moving toward it with ease, following the guidance we're getting from our deepest inner knowing, you know, from God, from spirit, from whatever this other entity, this other energy is for you to just listen. And here is the Hafez poem. This is called Chain You to My Body. All these words are just a front. What I would really like to do is chain you to my body, then sing for days and days and days about God. Hmm. Ooh. I'm just, I'm just going to like ponder on that. And while I go do that, you enjoy the rest of your day and we will close this episode like we always do. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos. By signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagyan.com slash subscribe.